0: You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Monday show for you. We're going to go over Victor Wembanyama's Summer League debut Friday night and last night in Las Vegas. Two pretty different games, I would say. The NBA had a whole performance and a whole production to introduce the NBA Cup this past weekend, and they broke down exactly how it's going to work. We talked about it last week. We've got more details now, and I've still got the same questions. Bob Huggins might still be drunk because he's asking for his job back. I don't know why, but he is. And this Northwestern football hazing story is flat-out disturbing, and if that coach isn't fired by the end of today, I'd be stunned. got a lot to talk about today, we'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's begin by talking about Victor Wembanyama's NBA Summer League debut. Played Friday night. That was the main attraction. Sold out Thomas & Mack Center in Las Vegas one, na- one day after he was all over the tabloid news because Britney Spears lied about a security guard backhanding her in the face. No, he didn't. He moved your arm out of the way and your own arm hit your face. And Victor lied about being grabbed from behind when we've seen the video now and it doesn't even look like Britney touched him. It looked like she reached out to touch him on the back and tap him on the shoulder. Couldn't really tell by the angle because the camera was from behind whether she did or didn't. Regardless, it was a giant nothing burger. No charges are going to be filed, nor should they. Brittany should know better. She's a 41-year-old woman going up to a 19-year-old who's literally the most popular athlete walking around Las Vegas this week or last week. Just, if anybody should know about fans putting their hands on on other famous people, it would be Britney Spears, a woman who has probably been hounded more times in her life than you could shake a stick at. And she's 41, and she wanted to go tap a 19-year-old on the shoulder from behind when he wasn't looking. Whatever. So, Victor played Friday night. Did he play great? No, he didn't. He was 2 for 13 from the field, 9 points, 8 rebounds, 5 blocks. But you could see... The skills are there, and nobody's ever doubted his skills. The biggest thing for me is going to be the endurance slash can he stay healthy slash his strength. He's 19 years old. Look at his body out there. He's not going to just sit there and dominate right from the get-go. He's got some weight he's got to put on, and he will. Beyond that, though, here is going to be my issue with him and this is something that he doesn't have right now, I could already tell, but it's certainly something that he can develop going forward. My question about Victor is this, is he too nice? Is he too nice of a player? We know the MJs of the world, the Kobe's of the world, the LeBron's of the world, the word and phrase alpha dog gets thrown around a lot. Just by two games this weekend, and look, he's 19. I don't expect him to be walking around like his shit doesn't stink. But I don't know if this guy has that dog in him. I don't know. If he doesn't right now, he can certainly develop it for sure. Because I think if he did walk in at 19 years old thinking he was the greatest things in sliced bread, I think he'd be get dropped down a few notches by the vets in this league once the NBA season starts. So maybe it's good that he doesn't have it. But I'm talking about if you want to be one of the all-time greats in this league, does he have that internal drive? Does he have that, I want to kick your ass when I'm out on the court? Or is he just looking to be a really, really good NBA player who's got skills that a seven-foot-five kid should not have? which he does. But there's a difference between being a good, productive, great, even great NBA player versus an elite player and one of the all-time greats. And that is the will to work. And the to be like a Kobe or LeBron where you've got to be a dick on the basketball court. That you want to rip the throat out of your opponent every single night. He's 19 right now. He doesn't have that. And I'm fine with that. Doesn't mean he he can't develop it. But it's something that I do worry about. And just watching his game. He you know, he glides along and he's he's not clumsy for seven five. But there is something that I did notice this past weekend in his two games, and even watching Chet Holmgren play, who plays the same style as Victor, who can get a rebound and bring the ball up court. These guys trying to take guys off the dribble, I cannot tell you how many times Victor and Chet tried to take guys off the dribble, and the second they got in the lane, the ball got stolen or they fell down because they have to bend over too much to put the ball between their legs or cross over. And you might be able to get to the lane, but that's where you're probably going to have to pull up and shoot a 10 or 15-footer because these guys getting in the lane, I, I swear it was almost every single time. And it's like, wow, oh, you just crossed him up on the three-point line. You get in the lane, boom, stolen. Because you're almost too high up off the ground. You're too tall to be dribbling in the lane. Chris Paul can dribble in the lane because he's 6'3". He's closer to the ground. He has way more control over the ball because it doesn't have to bounce as high to get up to his hand. I mean, that sounds simple. Did any of you watch both of Victor's games and any of OKC's games this past weekend in Las Vegas? Because every time Chet and Victor drove the lane, they either fell or the ball got stolen. And that's going to be an issue. It absolutely is going to be an issue. Now, last night, Victor came back with 27 points, 12 rebounds, 3 blocks on 9 of 14 shooting. And that didn't even seem like he... I mean, that was about as quiet a 27 as I can ever remember from somebody. He had a couple dunks, had a couple jumpers, hit a couple threes, made seven free throws. Like, it was a productive night. He had 27 of their 80 points. Looked way better. Looked way more comfortable in Game 2 than he did in Game 1. But... It's so early, and I'm not saying – like you know this kid is 19. I feel for the kid because all eyes were him on Friday night. You could tell he was nervous, and you could tell he was not in the flow of the game. Hell, after the game, he said, I had no idea what I was doing out there. He said that because he'd only practiced with the team twice. You're playing with a bunch of guys who probably aren't going to be on the Spurs this year. These guys are all out there to impress because they're trying to earn spots, whether it's on the Spurs – or some other coach sees them and picks them up after they get released by the Spurs. These guys are all trying to get theirs. I know they're trying to win games and be a team, but summer league is all about getting your own because you have to impress because if you want to be an NBA player, you've got to make a roster or you've got to get on somebody's G league team and you're going to do what benefits you. Yes. Play the team game, set picks, get rebounds, all that stuff. But You've seen summer league games. It's not it, It's not a very good indicator. If You know, I wasn't writing Victor off after game one just because he was 2 of 13 from the field. And I'm not saying he's the greatest player ever and he's going to make the all-star team this year because he went for 27 and 12 last night. He's got some deficiencies in his game for sure. The strength, the endurance, and he's got to stop trying to take people off the dribble. And, and once he gets to the lane, he either has to pass it or just pull up and shoot a jumper. Because it's going to get stolen every time, like it did this weekend. But kid is impressive for 7'5". 5. And a lot of pressure on him. We just never seen him. He's got to get ready for an 82 game season. Can his body handle that? How much more, how much bigger is he going to get from now until training camp? Can he put on five to ten pounds in the next three months? I don't know. But He's got a lot of work ahead of him and he's going to start, he's going to play a lot of minutes, probably play 25 30 minutes a night assuming he's not in foul trouble. He's going to block shots just cuz he's that big. But I also think that he's I I I want to see. Uh, it's going to take it's going to he might not even have that dog in him by the end of this year. But is he a guy that less than 5 minutes left in the game, less than 2 minutes left in the game, San Antonio's down one, is he going to demand the ball? And be like, I'm winning this for us. I'm the man on this team. Give me the ball. I just, as a 19-year-old, it'd be impressive if he did, but I don't I don't know if he has that in him yet, but he can certainly develop it. So the NBA is having that in season tournament this year. It's gonna start this year called the NBA Cup. Saturday night they revealed basically how it's going to work. And it's exactly how I said it when we went over it. But now we have a little bit more explanation in terms of when I knew about this tournament, I knew every team had a chance, and I knew they were using regular season games and just giving them more importance. But I was like, oh, but they said eight teams make the quarterfinals. So are eight teams, if if you get to the finals, that means you play 85 games this year instead of 82? I don't get it. No. No there's literally every team is still only playing 82 games this year except for two the teams that make the championship game that'll be their 83rd and it's not going to count in statistics and it's not going to count as an 83rd game in the standings either so how it's going to work is this every team in the nba participates in the nba cup every year 22 teams don't make it it's six groups of five teams three in the west three in the East. You saw the team breakdowns. I don't need to go over the group team, the group pairings. It wasn't that like they made this big reveal when all they did was take the <laughs> all they did was take the seedings of where they finished in the West last year. You, in Group A, you had, uh, you know, a team that finished one to three and then four to six and then seven to nine and then 10 to 12 in the West. Like it, it's like, OK, great. Like I could have told you what teams were going to be in what group before that even started. But so what I didn't realize, I guess the biggest revelation to come out of this weekend was when the NBA schedule is released this year, they're only releasing it as an 80-game schedule. Why? Because of this. Because of this tournament. Which means, I told you, 22 teams aren't going to make this tournament. What this tournament is, is going to be in the month of November. So they're going to have all of October to play, get ready, do all this stuff. In the month of November, every Tuesday and Friday, every team's game is going to be towards this tournament like just take group b for example in the western conference denver the clippers the pelicans the mavericks and the rockets so let's just take the mavericks for example because they're the team i have season tickets for so in the month of november the mavericks are going to play two of those teams at home and two of them on the road denver clippers pelicans and houston and when they play them they're still regular season games count towards your regular season record however there will be an extra column for your nba cup record And if the Mavericks go 4-0 against those four teams, they will be one of the six, they will be one of the eight um, teams that make the quarterfinals. Basically, every group of these five-team groups, it's like World Cup soccer. There's going to be a winner out of every group. And those six winners make up six of the eight teams. And then one team in the West that has the second-best record and one team in the East that has the second-best record that didn't win their group, those are the eight teams that are going to make it up. And then that eight-team playoff quarterfinals. We don't know how the seedings are going to work, but the four teams in the West. You know, the um, there'll be uh, eight teams, four in the West, four in the East. Uh, the four in the West will play each other. That means there'll be two in the West, and then there'll be one in the West, and the same in the East. So it'll be a Western versus an East, West versus East, in the finals. The twenty-two teams that don't make the NBA Cup they will have two games added to their schedule, I think playing in the month of December from their own conference, I believe. So that makes their 82-game schedule. What about the teams that make the tournament? Well, they still only have 80 games on their schedule when the NBA schedule is released. If you lose in that first game, that first quarterfinal game, because it's single elimination, you will be given one more game because that would be your 81st game, and you're given one more game against the other team that lost in your quarterfinals. So that's your 82nd game. If you make it to the semis, if you win the quarterfinal game and you make it to the semis, so you've won your quarterfinal game, that's game 81. You've played game 82. If you lose, that's your 82-game season. The two winners obviously go to the championship game, and as I said at the beginning of this, there is no the championship game is the only game that's not counting towards NBA statistics or towards your record on the season. It just means you won the NBA Cup, which is $500,000 to each player from the winning team. The losing team, every player gets $200,000. But the winning team, 500k for each player and they get to call themselves the in-season champion, NBA Cup winners. Just adds all all this is doing is adding intrigue and interest to the regular season because most people don't pay attention to the NBA until Christmas Day when we have our first big, hey, there's five games on Christmas Day. Nobody watches the NBA in October and November or cares about it. Why? Because college football is going on. And did you notice that the semifinal games of the NBA Cup, the semifinal is going to be played on December 7th in Las Vegas, and the final is going to be played two nights later in Las Vegas on December 9th. That's right after conference championships end. So basically it's to prevent a little load management in the beginning of the season because that's when teams are kind of resting players. Maybe teams will rest players on games where they're part of the NBA Cup. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see how it plays out this year. I'm thinking less will, like when you know you play somebody in your group in that Tuesday or Friday in November. Maybe some teams will be like, "Yeah, we want to win this," so and and they'll sit them. But again, I understand what the NBA is trying to do and add intrigue to the regular season. However. Again, all it is is when somebody ends up winning the first NBA Cup on December 9th, is anybody really going to be like, wow, what a great accomplishment. It's just going to be like another award during the season. Then that's that's it. Nobody, Because I guarantee you, whoever cuts down the nets or wins the NBA championship in June isn't going to be like, "Well, damn, we didn't win the NBA Cup. I mean, the, the team that wins the NBA Cup might win the NBA championship. It's possible. But... I'm guessing they care more about winning an NBA championship than an NBA cup. That's why I just don't see a giant mass appeal. But as I said, Friday, once they're in the NBA cup and whoever makes it to the the knockout round of the final eight, and if you make it to the semi, th- these teams are going to try. They're going to try and win. They're going to want to win. But I'm just saying the outcome of first ever NBA cup champion, and even next year, our, our second champion, it's just like, okay. A hundred guys out of a hundred are going to be like, yeah, I'd rather win an NBA championship. So that's why it's like, okay, we'll, we'll see how much people care. Bob Huggins might still be drinking. And I don't say that jokingly because Bob Huggins, as we know, got a DUI after being reprimanded for going on a radio show and insulting students at Xavier by using um, inappropriate language and derogatory language that uh, called out people's sexuality. Then he got a DUI, and I think he was three times over the legal limit, and resigned. And they probably let him resign because the guy had established a great career. He's the third all-time winning most wins in college basketball history behind Krzyzewski and Beheim. But when you get a DUI this late in your career, they'll just let you kind of leave on your own terms. Well now Bob Huggins is saying, hey, yeah, I got a DUI. I never I never resigned. I never sent in a resignation letter. I never told the school I was resigning. Okay, great, Bob, but <laughs> they don't want you. You literally called out a whole school fan base and called out their sexuality of their student body, and then got a DUI two months later. West Virginia doesn't want you anymore. If you're going to go through semantics of, I never signed anything, I never told anybody, I guess it really doesn't matter, Bob, because they don't want you. You're done. Good luck trying to get a job somewhere else, too. I don't think that's happening either. How about worrying about your family and getting yourself sober? Hell, did this guy in his statement say I was leaving the school to focus on myself and my family? And I embarrassed the school. Like I said, is he still drunk? Even if he didn't say the word resign anywhere in his writing or whatever, even though the school is saying otherwise, he wants to sue the school for for not having his job anymore? He literally wants to feels he deserves his job and is going to lawyer up. Bob, why would you want to coach at a school that doesn't want you? That doesn't make any sense. That just a bizarre turn of events in that story. You know, in the open I talked about, I wanted to, to hit on this Notre Dame, Notre Dame, this Northwestern football hazing story that is just awful I don't want to rush through it here. I'm going to save it for tomorrow because I definitely want to talk about it tomorrow. Probably going to lead with it because it is a big story. And by tomorrow, the head coach might be gone anyway, and it'll add to the story. If he's not gone by tomorrow, I think he's gone. Pat Fitzgerald is going to be out of a job. He's, there's no way he can be brought back as, no, as Northwestern's head coach. No way. Not to mention the fact the guy's been horse shit the last three of the last four seasons. His team has been terrible literally been one in you've won one conference game three of the last four years. So if anything, this should put them over the edge to be like, yeah, maybe we should get rid of him, but I'm going to, I'm going to hit on that one tomorrow because I don't want to, I don't want to end with that and kind of rush through it. So anyway, thank you all for listening. Please follow an Apple podcast. Also rate and review. If you can certainly helps the podcast, tell your friends about it. If you're interested, the daily roundup is up on my Reality C podcast feed, check that out. Thank you all for listening. Hope you had a great weekend. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See